Welcome back to the Creative Endeavor Podcast. This is a podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from around the world. It's real conversations with real artists. And I'm Andrew Tischler, and it is such a pleasure to have your company here once again. With this episode, an epic conversation with Mark Maggiore. Now, this podcast is going to run on the shorter side of things at around 45 minutes long, but it will still give you a decent session in the studio. So you know the drill. Go and put the coffee on, wash those brushes, and let's talk with Mark Maggiore. Mark Majori was born in France, but he now lives in Taos, New Mexico, and he draws inspiration from the American West, painting cowboys and American central landscapes, some of those interior views that you might see on a dusty old Western film. I'm blown away by his work. It's got a real strong, almost a graphic quality to it slightly stylized in a way, but these look like massive scenes that you would see in an epic Western movie. I wanted to ask Mark all about his work, about his art, his inspiration, but also the business side of things as well. There's a post that he made recently on his Instagram that I really wanted to pick his brain about. And it was just a photo of the back of a, a van with those doors open and floor to ceiling jam-packed full of tubes of limited edition prints. Now, you would have heard here on the podcast before that success leaves clues. And one of my goals here with this podcast, you know, the podcast as a whole, is to share with you some of these strategies that other artists have used to become so successful. I believe that if we employ the same strategies or we're following along in a similar fashion, that maybe some of that will rub off on us and we can apply that to our creative business also. But it's also just so cool to hear about how somebody else got their start on their art journey. I always find that super inspiring as well. Now, a couple of things to get out of the way before we get stuck into this episode. If you haven't already done so, please leave me a rating or a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. And also make sure you share this episode to your social media. Thanks to you, this podcast is getting out there to more and more people, a bit more interest around the place. And I really appreciate the extra time and effort that you're going to to share this with others. So thank you so much. And if you're going to post this episode to somewhere like Instagram, please use the hashtag, hashtag the creative endeavor. And endeavor is spelt with an O-U-R on the end. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I couldn't do it without you. Now, you're listening to the audio version of the podcast. There is an exclusive video version of this podcast that you'll find only on my Patreon page. And that link you'll find wherever this audio version you're listening to now is posted. So go and follow me on Patreon. In addition to the video version of the podcast, you get critique videos, Q&A videos, exclusive time-lapse videos, and extra special video content that I only share with my patrons, as well as access to the exclusive Facebook page as well. So if that sounds like you, it's only five bucks a month. It would be a pleasure to see you over there. So again, 
you'll find that exclusive video version only on my Patreon page. Now, one more thing. There is a slight language warning for this episode of The Creative Endeavor, so if a few cuss words are going to offend you, maybe give this episode a miss, but that would be such a shame because there's such great information in this podcast. I found it really inspiring. So without further ado, here he is. This is Mark Maggiore in The Creative Endeavor. Mark Maggiore, welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. What an absolute pleasure to meet you. Hi, likewise, finally, you know, it took a while. A little while, but it's great. It's great to have a chance to connect. So I'm talking to you now, you're in LA, you're at an Airbnb, you're by the pool, you're relaxing, so we don't get to see your studio just at this stage. No, but, uh, but I'm working in this house, but it doesn't look as cool as my studio in Taos, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, I tell you what, man, that studio that you got in Taos, that is next level. Taos is like, it's an amazing place. I still have fond memories of Nikolai Fetchin's studio and being there, and it's just an amazing place. So no wonder you, you've kind of struck inspiration gold there that's really awesome mm-hmm. and and i just say you know I, i've been following you for some time and i'm just blown away by your work but also just you know something that you're doing it just really seems to be clicking like you, what what i love to explore and what i love to ask people about is you know when they find their authentic voice and they really find themselves and then suddenly that lands and that really triggers something in a key audience and then it's just like this beautiful marriage of the two coming together that just takes off. Uh, let's k- kick us off here, Mark. I'd love to hear about how this journey started for you. Can you take me back to the beginning of when you first found your artistic feet? That's a long, yeah, that's definitely a long story, uh, especially because uh, it hasn't been a one like simple road, uh, you know, with a sign saying, painter this way just follow the line it didn't happen like that it, it was so you know millions of directions that i explored and uh i i went i went i was a musician first i was a singer in a band when i was you know 19 20 and then i went to art school at the same time and then um from art school i graduate art school um and then i was gonna work with disney studio but then i started to do music videos in 3d back then doing you know modeling and storyboard and directing stuff and then i went through real camera starting to you know film music videos live um and then i did a feature film i was still in the band the whole time so there's like a lot going on between 20 and 30 i did you know a lot um and then yeah i think when i came to america because uh, I was coming here a lot from France to shoot music videos. Um, but the most, the most, the more I was coming here, the more I wanted to be here and I wanted to be a director here, direct stuff and, you know, do feature films. Uh, so when I, I finally moved here, um, I realized how difficult that was. And I was just a French, French guy and that everybody in, in LA want to make movies. And so I was like, wow, that seems difficult. I don't have the connections. My parents are nobody. <laughs> uh, so 
I was like, maybe, uh, maybe I have to find, you know, it didn't just happen like that, but it was something that, you know, after one, two, three years of like not getting the stuff you want or, you know, and, and, and the painting was always in the back of my head because I, I learned to paint in art school and it was something that was always kind of dreaming about doing, but I had no idea I could actually make a living from it. And so it was like, yeah, I can paint portraits of my friends on the weekend because that's fun. And again, I, I didn't have a proper training because in art school, I, I learned drawing, like very hardcore academic called drawing. But then all the painting skills I got were from internships at Disney Studio, uh, where I, I've learned, you know, doing backgrounds and color color rules and all this I've learned. And I learned a lot of my own by just reading books and copying stuff. Um, but anyway, long story short, um, I ended up discovering that there was Western painting and I had no idea of this whole genre uh, because I was mostly interested um, when, when I was directing stuff, I was always looking for like the back roads of America. I was passionate with, you know, all the, the American West in, in every ways, but modern and old. Um, and I like cowboys forever. And I was going to rodeos and, you know, I even wrote, you know, some ideas of films with rodeo stuff and cowboys. And, and yeah, then one day I discover Western art in Oklahoma City in a museum. And I'm like, what the fuck? I had no idea. Maybe I saw Remington painting back in the days. But honestly, in France, very few of, of the Western artists cross the Atlantic that way. And so in France, you know, the forest, I mean, my favorite painter was Joaquin Soroya, Sargent, you know, I liked all the classic, but I had no idea about Western painting. So, um, yeah, we're, I, I discovered that and it honestly hit me really hard. And that was 2011 or 2012, something like that. Wow. Um, it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm. 2012, maybe. And, um, and it took me about, two years to kind of reverse you know when the boat goes one way and you have to do a 180 back mm -hmm. that's kind of what I did with my life in order to be able to start painting western stuff because by seeing it and you know seeing what was done before in the past and and the golden age also western art um and then seeing what was going on at the time i felt like i really wanted to jump in it and be part of it and and do my bring my voice because i had a feeling i could maybe say something or do something or have something different from my background and you know the the way i was seeing things and so i okay if i walk of course of course yeah yeah so that's how that's how i i, I slowly started by just initially painting um uh old photos I, I you know I got old photos and then I, I started to do a little photo shoot with a friend here and then I was living in Arizona back then and so it just started like this and then I so I met um, Logan Maxwell Ajaj uh, through a common friend we had and uh, and I guess Logan helped me out a lot at the beginning you know telling me you know who where to go what to do kind of thing like because as soon as I started the post on Instagram, I was, there was a lot of, there was a big demand for new, new artists. And so I got very, um, how do you say, a lot of people reached out to me, a lot of galleries, a lot of, and so 
I, Logan was helping me deciding, you know, you should work with this person, maybe not this one, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. so I kind of, that kind of helped me um, going pretty fast in my choices of what I, I needed to do in order to uh, make the right choices. Um, and, and he, Henneman and his brother had a gallery. I mean, they still have, um, and um, they kind of starting to show my work and they also bought three of my paintings uh, at the beginning uh, to show me that they wanted to work with me. And that was really helpful because I was such a broke ass and uh, it, it was amazing. So it showed me, okay, in America, you can actually make painting and make it. I didn't know if I could make a living, but you can actually make money somehow because in France, there is no way. I mean, I don't know personally, maybe one or two, but artists that are doing realistic, uh, realism painting nowadays who are making a good living in France, I, I don't think so. So it's, it's all about contemporary art and concept and stuff. And so I was really, as a younger artist out there, I, wanted, I didn't even want to try to like, make it you know make this as my main activity I was, like i said it was like oh it's cool in the weekend but there was it was too dangerous i already had kids and stuff i, was, I couldn't i couldn't take a chance to do that so right. thanks america <laughs> <laughs> because they definitely gave me the opportunity to do that and then very quick it became my my only thing and i didn't have to do any more music video jobs or anything i dropped i dropped everything else i was doing in about four or five months and I could pay the rent and everything was just painting. So it got really fast. Wow. And I'm super, uh, super uh, grateful for that. Mm. And of course, as you probably know, Instagram has been a blessing the whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that Instagram. So in, uh, in the, in the years that I've been following you, like that Instagram has grown just so rapidly. What do you, what are you sitting at now? A few hundred thousand at least like you're, you're near half a million. Uh, aren't they you? Have like, yeah, three hundred and forty something thousand, and almost so, three hundred and fifty thousand. And so, how how would you say? Let, let me ask you about Instagram specifically. How would you say that that would that is an integral part of your your business? Because did you find that as the followers started to come in, that that gave you either more leverage in the art market, or were you starting to sell more direct? Do you do you do direct, or is it just through a gallery or an agent? Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. Um, my feeling again, like what, what Instagram wrote. Mm. So I, when I was, I think it was the 2005, 2006. So I was directing music videos. I was still in my band. We were touring and all, and I kind of did an attempt of painting. I, I put together, you know, a few series of paintings of women, you know, friends of my ex-wife back then. It was very like very classic French stuff. Um, and I, I worked, I I remember I rented a little place in Paris to work. And for like a year, I was most of the time alone in that, in that studio. And, um, it didn't bring anywhere, didn't bring anything, nobody, I mean, maybe I sold one or two paintings, but I, I realized it was a very lonely life. And, um, comparing to what I was doing with my band and always being with so many people and, it was, I was like, wow, it's, it's tough, like to be an artist. And, um, and then I eventually, I remember I did a little show and 
people just come in and barely look at the art. I mean, they look five minutes and then they drink and talk and they don't care. And I thought it was very hard. I was like, shit, this is a, you put so much, your heart, you know, your time, your soul, and then people just pass in front of it. So kind of, it was, it was a little discouraging to tell you the truth. And uh, what I found on Instagram when I started, so that was when I started to do Western painting. I opened an account. It was like early 2014. Um, I realized even if at the beginning I had like, you know, 40 followers, you know, 70 followers, 100, just to like posting a little drawing and having a few people commenting or say, oh, I love this or this is cool. I thought it was kind of very encouraging. And all of a sudden, you're not alone in the room. There's other people that are interacting. I was discovering so many other artists. You know, we would exchange stuff. And um, and I, at the beginning, it was so thrilling. I was like, wow, that's... All of a sudden, it becomes like a group thing. And I, I really need people, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a loner when I paint because that's all, that's what we need to do. But I like to be with people. I like to interact. I, I, I like, relate. Yeah. 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 I love that. You know, it's, mm. it's important, you know, humans are, are social creatures. Yeah. And so um, I, it was very, very encouraging at the beginning. It really helped me transitioning uh, to have that community that was building and uh, and of course, so at the beginning, I was only with galleries, but uh, right away, I, I told the galleries I was going to just uh, do paintings with them, but all the drawings and little sketches and stuff like that, I would just sell them straight through my Instagram. And so that always been the case for like now, like six or seven years. Every time I post a drawing, I have somebody or, you know, several people contacting me and I, I sell it first come, first serve. And I've always done that. You know, nobody, and not, um, how do you say, it? yeah, no galleries have sold my drawings so far. Uh, I kept this always because uh, I like to be in contact straight with collectors. And, uh, and I've done that more and more. And, you know, so for paintings, again, it's, it's, it's a very different market. And I, I'm, I'm not really selling paintings straight. I, I still work with one gallery. Mm. Um, but yeah, other than that, then the, the print stuff uh, is also something that really became a game changer because the, the print sale became such a, a big thing. And, uh, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity that it gives to anyone to acquire a piece of art and, and to... I would always tell people it's, you know, collecting hard is hard. Like it's beautiful. You know, when you see a nice collection, it's, it's amazing, but it takes a lot of time. And it also requires to sharpen your eye and your taste and all that. And, you know, before you're going to spend a couple of thousands of dollars on an original piece of art, I feel like starting with collecting prints helps people to like, understand you know what they like what fits their taste what you know what they like to live with because at, mm -hmm. at the end of the day we just live with art and so it you know it's better to spend you know just 100 200 300 bucks on a print and then you know after a year or two if you're not happy you can change it you can give it mm -hmm. to your friend whatever it's not the same as a big painting and then you know i noticed that usually people start with prints and then i try to get a sketch or something else and then eventually i get a painting so it's also a very good gate, a bridge to like start collecting more. 
and uh, and and it uh, it's it's another source of income who allows me to paint less uh, without the same pressure of just painting and painting because as you know um, the demand of paintings always like people like you for something so they want it over and over and uh, it's a very dangerous thing because you don't want to overdo yourself you don't want to become a, a gimmick of yourself and so I'm always trying to balance that and make sure mm. I'm still yeah painting things that are exciting me not really paying attention of what people want uh and i think the print kind of give me that freedom to you know just do whatever i want that's amazing i, I i've got to say there's a there's a post that you made recently that just blew my mind and it's that shot you'll know it and uh, for the video version of this podcast i'll cut it in here um but it's the it's that van just full of tubes of prints and i gotta say man <laughs> when i saw that i was just so just blown away and i mean i i don't i, I we've just met all right but i was looking at yeah. that just going way to go mark that is so cool bro that is so cool because I, I mean, that, that, was, that was insane. So I imagine a lot of those people would have found you from social media, but it, it was just incredible. So tell me more about that experience in terms of like, did you, did you just start like outsourcing that or did you find somebody straight away, you found an outfit and you went, because there's a lot of people that have asked me in terms of printing my work, it's like, okay, how does that whole process start? I mean, for me, I've tried all sorts of different ways. I'm that close to buying my own printer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. I understand that. Well, so I was lucky to, I, I came up with the idea of making prints, uh, I don't know, like I think three or three years ago uh, or four years ago, something like that, um, to make one print, first a black and white uh, and then uh, a color print. And so I was working with Maxwell Alexander Gallery and I invited them, asking if they want to do it with me. So they, they found an incredible printer in Los Angeles, um, a place who's been working with so many artists. And so we did, we did tests with a lot of different companies, but those guys, Static Mediums, they were honestly the best, the closest to the original. Um, and so we, we just started and we did, and, my idea was always like not doing a shop or something that you can have all the time. Um, I wanted to make this an event every time it happens and people are waiting for it. And it's something that just like, it's just a one day thing and boom, if you miss it, you miss it, you know, but so kind of like when I was doing concert, you know, it's, it's a one thing. It's not like you can go anytime. It's, it's a one thing. So that was very important to me. So yeah, every six months I, I release some prints and um, of course the numbers have grown and, and now it became a kind of a crazy industry. But uh, it's, again, what I, I noticed people buy a lot of them in like different, the same family will buy every time I release, I'll buy prints. And so I'm always curious, I'm like, what are you doing with it? And so some people have a lot of wall space, but some people keep them. Some people keep them in the roll and say, we're going to replace it next year. And some people are just uh, offering them to friends. And so, so I kind of love this idea. And um, somebody was asking me like, well, the fact that there's so many, you're not afraid that it's going to devalue them, this, uh, lower the value. And I'm like, well, prints to me, prints on paper, not serigraphy, prints 
are not supposed to be an investment. I really don't see it this way. It's like, of course, my my prints, you see some prints on eBay, they sell for a lot more than people bought them for. But that's not really the point. I don't think you should buy a print of any artist, you know, paper print for a big investment. The print is something that you buy, again, like I say, for your own pleasure, for your own enjoyment, to see the, the art of that artist that you like every day in the world and, and to kind of like just slowly bridge to maybe own originals and stuff like that. So then when you got original, you could talk about investment because, you know, some of some artists are really like the value that, that climbs over the years. So that's great. But prints should be more simple, just like something that you just enjoy and change again. Like I like when people say they're just switching and um, that that's how I see it. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, there, there's always, I'm trying to do time release um, over uh, edition. I've done editions. I've done time release. And they always, at the end of the day, we sell kind of the same amount. That's kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> you know, if I do an edition of 700, uh, either we sell the 700, but if I do a time release of, of 10 hours, we're going to sell 672. It's mm. almost the same. <laughs> so it's, amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. it's pretty crazy. So it's yeah. like, it feels like there's a, there's an amount of people that's kind of devoted to one image and that's mm. going to be the same here, no matter if you do time release or, 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 or edition. Um, yeah. Time release yeah. gives, gives more like an urge. Um, Although, although in June I might do a 24 hours uh, release, so it gives more people, like like people like you who lives on the other side of the world, <laughs> have time because we have a lot of people in Australia and they're always like shit. I had to like wake up at three to get the print, and I'm like I'm sorry. <laughs> so we're gonna try to do a 24 hours this time, so that gives more time. Yeah, uh, man. Kick for for Australia. Consider us down under, will you? <laughs> it's it's difficult, mind you. you know, we're we're always a day. I wish I come visit one day. It's always been uh, in my mind, but it's so far. Like I need to yeah. find you to come, especially New Zealand. Like the landscape seems like it's out out of this world. What you guys have out there. Oh man, it's it's, yeah, it's, it is beautiful, and and I moved recently, so I, I wish I could turn the screen around and show you what I'm looking at out the window, just behind this screen. But we're on the water and looking out over like the ocean, and then there's a mountain, and like I live Woo! in a sound. It's like it's quite beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and I gotta say, I'm I, I, the the uh, I don't know if this is coming through the mic, but the roar is on, and down here they call it the roar, and that's where all the bull deer, the the uh, the bucks start jousting and fighting so they're there i'm hearing one in the forest over here and one's in the forest over there and they're going to meet behind me at some point probably up on that oh hill. this is insane <laughs> so Way it's cool it's pretty cool man so look if you're ever down in new zealand man hit me up it'd be cool to go oh yeah for sure. some plain air but mm -hmm. um you know it's interesting you know talking about this time release versus limited edition i i find that so much of art and our art business it, it's almost like a psychological like analysis trying to work out what's going to resonate or what's going to happen. And, and it's almost, I find this, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I try and plan for something to be, I'm going to plan for this thing and it's going to be great and it's going to land. Those are the things that normally just fall flat. But I find that when I'm really engaged and feeling creative and everything's flowing just right and I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm all there and I'm not even thinking about the sale or having a great print release or doing anything like that, then those are the things that just seem to work when I'm not paying attention to the, to the sales side of things. You know what I'm saying? 
True. True. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's so funny that when you're saying that. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I've sometimes noticed that with uh, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but I Instagram changed their whole like algorithm like two months ago. Now nobody yeah. sees nothing anymore. It's kind of oh. weird and it's scary. I don't understand why they did that, but. <laughs> I used to have like, you know, 40,000 likes and now I sometimes have like 2,000 likes and I'm like, what the fuck? Mm. And, uh, but anyway, um, just to say that uh, it's funny because if I'm very happy with a painting and I'm like posting it like super stoked and I'm like, oh, this, this is going to be, it's going to be a good one. I bet I'll get some likes and stuff, you know, and usually I get like, I mean, it's good, but I'm like, it's not the greatest. And sometimes I post something that I painted like three years ago. I just repost it for the fun of it. It's like the worst time to post. It's like the things you would never do. But I just do it because I don't care. And then like an hour later, I look at it like, boah, the biggest like you've ever had. <laughs> and it's like, shit, how does that work? <laughs> there is no logic in it. It's pretty crazy. So I don't know. I kind of give up on trying to understand when and how and, you know, which. Uh, especially now, it's, it's just, uh, it's hurting my head. And. Everybody now says you have to do reels and all, and I'm like, shit, man, I don't care. You know, it's I don't know if I'm gonna completely follow that or I'm just gonna keep doing what I do, and because uh, the whole real stuff can be can be cool sometimes, but I don't want to make it like an obligation. Like I have to make videos every day of my life so people can see what I do. It's like I also like the fact that we were we used to post just one image, and it's it's very good for artists. Hmm. and um so i don't know we'll see how this whole thing evolves um also why i'm I'm always asking people to subscribe to my email list so we can stay in touch because maybe one day we'll say instagram fuck you uh and you know because i don't know what they, they intend on becoming mm-hmm. uh, i guess they're racing with tiktok and good for them but uh, i don't feel very close to all that anyway it, it, it's it's almost a full-time job just managing just your social media and it does it take is. more and more and more effort to stay on top of it I, I find it just endless and and quite frustrating as well because when you get used to the pattern it's like okay now we're going to change the rules new rules and it's like oh why it was fine it was working exactly. fine a hundred percent agreeing on this it's like yeah it's like why did they I don't understand. Why did they change this algorithm? It's like, why? It used to be simple. You post, and the time you post, people who follow you, they see the image. Why did they have to make it all weird? And I don't know. I, I, th- I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to change us through that technology. And it might even be AI at this point running it. So I think it's trying to to change the way we interact and interface with technology, the way we interact with each other. And it's trying to funnel us into more. I mean, I was talking to Joe Paquette about this, where it's like it's 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 a very, uh, you know, consumer based, fast, rapid thing. And you're on to the next thing. So as you're scrolling on your phone, you're like, okay, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Okay, next. Oh, that's kind of cool. Keep scrolling, 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 consume, consume, consume. And it's it, it does change the way we are as people and, and the wiring up here in our brains. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, 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 I think we're being programmed. <laughs> so what do we do? Do we just say, eh, eh. Yeah, burn your phone, <laughs> dig a hole. Oh, I know. But then like I was saying, it was, I mean, I think at some point there was really a golden, golden time where it was really a good yeah. way to, to interact. But yeah, if it becomes a clown thing where, you mm. know, it just, you know puppet yourself non-stop to Hmm. just yeah i i don't know if i'll be able to follow that but we'll see interesting 
Yeah, it's 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 food for thought anyway. Let, let me ask you. I I it, it'd be an absolute crime to have you on the podcast and not ask you about the art itself and really just geek out about the painting. Because you exactly. some of the some of these compositions and things that you're tackling, they're pretty grand. They're I I you know, it's really interesting hearing about your film background as well, because they almost to me it looks like the camera is panning across this epic landscape, and then you catch this little bit of action or the cowboys about to descend the lip of a canyon and it's in the moonlight, and it's just like click there's a frame and i look at these things and they're just they're arresting dude they are they're just so cool like it's just like wow it's a moment of time how how does the process start for you um do, do you start with reference or do you start with the vision how does it how does a pet painting come to be what 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 does that process look like from the initial concept sketch to the final realized piece yeah well so um i don't know if, if it compared to like cooking i would go to a very good farmer's market and get the ingredients i see would inspire me and i'll just gather a little garlic little thing and i go home and it's gonna make a nice sauce because it's good stuff i kind of i kind of approach it this way it's like i really have like a precise idea oh i want to paint that well maybe you know I, i'll see i'll see a movie and there's like a really cool shot of something like a light, nice lighting or, or a subject that is put on, you know, on top of a place and you see the background. I'm like, oh, that's a cool way to like light the guy or something. I keep it in my head. And then I just, just do photo shoots. So my photo shoots are very important because I, I definitely recreate what I was doing as a music video director when I would, you know, always write a little script and then put together outfit locations and i always knew from music video that a, a good casting and a good location makes a good video if you don't have the right casting or it's not gonna be as good and same for location you know if you shoot somebody in like a location that doesn't have the magic or the light or it's not gonna be good so when i go shooting um I'm always making sure I have all these things together um, and good horses, good people. I, I, you know, intend to like talk, to, make sure I know the people, I connect with them and then we go shoot. And when I shoot, that's really when it's happening. So, that's, a, that's really the day when I put everything out. Like my whole energy comes out when I'm on the shoot because I'm in my element. It's like nature. People are all over moving. There's horses. There's, there's stuff going on. And you have to be on the magic moment. So that's when I, I do photos. And while I'm shooting, I sometimes know, oh, this was this was it. You know, and even if you're in the action and, you know, at the end of the day, your head is spinning. You're like, wow, so many things happen. You usually remember those two or three instincts that give you the the, the right image and I I I don't know like from a photo shoot if I shoot like two to two thousand photos I'm gonna have maybe four three four paintings they're really strong if I'm lucky um and so yeah I, I do that and then go home look at the images uh for many days I go back to it I'm I'm kind of selecting slowly just putting stars sometimes like I said there's a one and it's like boom, okay, this is a painting. This pose is perfect. The guy, the horse position, everything. Um, and so 
I do that. I put it aside and sometimes, I mean, most of the time I sketch it to make sure, you know, when I draw it, it kind of like, it comes through like, oh, actually it was a good photo, but you know, the lighting when I draw it doesn't, you know, I don't feel it. And sometimes I feel it very well. And so then I really put it aside, this is painting. And then I start thinking of landscapes uh, that I'm going to put in the back. Cause it's very rare that the landscape is actually the one that I'm gonna use because it's, yeah, I, it happened, I did it. Sometimes I had a really cool landscape or lighting, but uh, most of the time I like to play with the landscape to make it even more dramatic, even more crazy. And I've been traveling the West a lot. So I have thousands of pictures um, all over from like everywhere. So I'm usually matching if I shot in Arizona, you know, the cowboys are dressed like Arizona cowboys. They have the outfit that goes, I look for references around Arizona. <laughs> maybe Utah, um, and I try to always match the environment. Same for Native Americans, you know, whatever the blankets they will wear, they have to, you know, match the environment, making sure, you know, it's, it makes sense. Um, so this is it. And then when I, I it, this can take forever. Like sometimes I, I spend weeks just, and I don't have time. So sometimes I just take two hours, one hour I sit on my computer, I go through references. I'm like, oh yeah, this was cool. I remember I painted this. And also every time I go on location to take pictures, I do their planner or two. So I kind of like digest the environment and I have it. So then the photo will make sense. I remember I, I have a lots of little sketches in color that I did outside to, you know, make sure I have the contrast and everything. So some people don't understand that, like when you paint from photos, I mean, you know, uh, nature is completely different. So there's an adaptation you have to do. You can't just paint the photo because uh, the contrast is completely different. Um, even though I like to play this route because of my film background, sometimes I like to push my painting to look a little more like photos in terms of contrast than just impressionism and, um, I do like it, but I, I do it in purpose. I do it because I know what I'm doing. Uh, so yeah, that, that's how it's, that's how it happens. And then I, I just go on the painting when I have my, my old composition on Photoshop and I'm happy, then I just go on a canvas. It's really interesting to hear you say like how many photos as well, like you're, you're going through like that, the, a reference file for you is massive. Yeah. Like, bro, you must be filling up hard drives full of photographs, you know? Oh yeah. It's yeah. Incredible. And they're classified, they're classified by uh, area. I also mm -hmm. have, you know, like bushes. I have the different types of bushes, folders, mm -hmm. uh, you know, chemisa, sage, uh, you know, flowers, all that stuff. Yeah. I have it uh, classified because I, I like to always go through it and it's, it makes the magic. Yeah, it, it's amazing because I, I can just imagine, you know, you're, you're painting these horses crossing a river and it's like, no, we need some mesa behind that. So we'll drop this <laughs> in there. Let me get into the thundercloud file. Okay, let's get a big thunder top behind that mesa. Okay, oh, now we need exactly. some bushes in the composition. Well, I'll get into my sagebrush and my prickly pear. Okay, no. now we got a painting. We're, we're, we're good to go. And I, I, to tell you the truth, I, sometimes it happened to me to go mm. back on a location to get the right lighting uh, to match the photo I had because say, you know, I'm like, oh, in that composition, that mess out would be perfect. But, you know, in the reference photo, it was 3 p.m. I need 6 p.m. 
So I would eventually go and just wait for 6 p.m., get the right picture, and boom. So I'm sure that I have the right lighting. Because, again, a lot of people, and I don't know how you work, but I've tried before to work from memory sometimes. It's like, but every time you pull a picture or you look at nature, it's better. Like, nature has so much to offer. And... <laughs> So I always love to look at references. It just inspired me. To, you know, I, I don't feel the need to just go from memory. I don't think I'm good enough. And I've, I've seen one guy that I knew when I was younger who was working with no reference, but I think he was from another planet. Uh, it was in a level, it was in a level that just, it's, uh, you know, yeah. it's like Einstein. When you talk about Einstein, you know, not everybody's yeah. Einstein. I think yeah. this guy, he was a French, He's a French artist, and I don't know what he's doing nowadays. He was very special, but he was in art school with me, and uh, his name was Laurent Gapayard, and he would start on the top of a white page. And the format, I'm telling you, we would talk about, I don't know, 30, 30 inches piece of paper. You'd start in the morning on a corner mm. and start doing little things, you know, you know, black and white pencil, blah, blah, blah. And you come back three hours later, and you have the top of a freaking 17th century church mixed with, uh, you know, bridges and then trees going around it. And we kept going down. And then two days later, you have an insane freaking like old kingdom. And he can tells you, he tells you everything. So you can enter from there. You have to imagine if you put a camera on the other side, you will go there. Just like, and he knew everything, like in architecture, mm. like gothic cassie role like everything That's so this guy was from another planet there's still some of his work online not much but i'll send you a link it's worth looking at it i ha actually have a really hard time pulling anything out of my memory uh it, it's it's always you know substandard especially when you compare it to nature nature's just i mean that's I it, was, it was created by the master artist himself like like you you can exactly. with that come on you know no, you can't <laughs> just a minute you minute you think you're getting good enough you're you're like oh okay yeah that's right okay you got me whipped mm -hmm. there but mm -hmm. um I, I i find though what what does help the memory and the recall and just kind of drilling the fundamentals of what nature does Plain error is is pretty helpful for me. Do do you pay much plain error at all? Oh yeah, a lot. A Brilliant. Lot. Brilliant. Um as soon as you know, as soon as I have opportunities, I have time, I'm I'm at the right place, I have the gear. Mm. Um I'm not I'm not showing it a lot because most mm. of the time it's very basic and, and it's very personal. Sure. There is there is nothing show off about my plain air. I'm I'm not a, a great plain air artist, but I do it a lot. Just like if, you know, when you play piano, you have to do your, because that's, you know, you need to, you know, so playing out to me is the same, like constantly going, especially when you work so much in the studio from images that we have on computer screens and stuff, you need to go back to nature because when I paint, I could be looking at a bush on my photo, but when I mixed my colors, I have the memory of the actual bush, the actual temperature that it's at. And I'm, I'm always doing the in-between, like what I see and what I remember. And sometimes, like I say, I take off my, my little sketches, I put them aside, I just, and I compare colors. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. You know, it's like, it's so much more saturated there than on the, refer on the one I did out there. So I desaturate a little bit and what I put in the final painting is an in-between, always kind of 
you know, play like that. That's awesome, man. Listen, I, I got to tell you, it's been, it's such a treat watching uh, your art journey so far and where, where you started and, and, and where you are now. I'd love to hear like what's next for you. What are some of the things on the horizon for you that you're really excited about? What's, what's coming up? Uh, well, so I have this show. Um, I, I didn't have a, a solo show in a long time. Last time was 2017. Uh, and then I was wrapped up in all those, you know, museum shows and it's constant. So you would always do two paintings there, one painting there. And it's, you know, years of passing. And so uh, there's this gallery in Scottsdale, the um, Legacy Gallery. They, they're doing a solo show very for just a few artists in the Western art market. And uh, they're the best to put together those like solo show, huge show with like 20 pieces. And it's a great event. I went to one from for John Coleman, that uh, incredible sculptor slash painter. Um, and John Coleman's show well, always beautiful turnout. So uh, Brad Richardson, the, the, the boss of the gallery approached me like even three years ago. And I was like, when are we doing a solo show? I was always kind of like cold feet about it. And then I finally, you know, last year I said, okay, I'll do it. Let's do it. And I, I pulled out of, of all the other shows. And uh, again, because of the prints, um, I'm able to not sell paintings for two years, uh, just surviving on, you know, little sketches and, and the prints. And I'm able to store all the paintings that I'm doing right now. And we're going to, yeah, we have a show um, in, in March 2023. So it's another year. But as you know, um, it's very, it's very stressful because, you know, I'm trying to do one painting every three weeks, uh, every month. Wow. So, um, so by, the, by next year, I'll have my 20 pieces, but uh, they might, you know, the last one might be smaller and maybe a little looser, but it's a good opportunity to actually try different things. Um, and again, since, since my first like real big solo show, I'm, I'm trying to paint my classics and the things that, you know, really represent me uh, to really put like a final point of like, okay, this is kind of like wrapping up, you know, the first seven years of my career and this is what I've done. And I think after the show, I'm going to start thinking of, of, okay, what's next? Do I want to keep doing this do i want to try different things i have a lot of stuff that i want to try that are you know there in my mind that i want to paint uh and like i say that i don't want to just paint certain things because i know that's what sells uh and i know there's mm. there's a big list of people who still still want you know mark my joy paintings with big clouds and stuff just there's a lot of them but they're gonna have to wait uh and uh you know it's i i have desire to paint Europe, maybe, uh, to paint Italy, to paint, you know, different type of people. Um, so that might be next uh, or not. I don't know. Uh, I'll have to try. And again, um, I think it's a pretty cool luxury for an artist to be able to try things because we sometimes don't have time to try. <laughs> we just go and do it, especially when it's sales and, you know, you, you have some kind of success. You just want to keep doing it. But uh, that's too easy. <laughs> so we got to challenge yourself and try to take different roads, I think. What, what are you working on at the moment? You said you had a painting going in there. Can we see it? Can I have a yeah, look? I have a, yeah, I have a, a nocturnal. And uh, 
So I worked here for three weeks. We were in LA for the month because my wife had a lot of things going on here. So mm -hmm. we just rented a house here and I'm painting in a room. Um, but now that painting is, I mean, I've done all those, those little sketches. I posted them. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So this did. was those last three days. I'm working right now on one. And the one that I'm, the big one I've finished is drying on the corner. And I think I'm going to have to finish it in Taos because there's a lot of dark detail i don't know if you see shit yeah so yeah i can see it brilliant. yeah 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 brilliant man just hold that up yeah 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 great oh wow so that's, that's my great. first that's the first pass and now i have to go back to my studio with probably a better lighting yeah and kind yeah. of uh go in details and i'm working on a little nocturne right now so yeah, i have my planner kit here yeah and my, so that's my setup. Well, Mark, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, even though it's a, it's a short one today, but I just really appreciate your time. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I hope it was, uh, it was good. <laughs> and <laughs> I great. can't wait to listen to it. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Creative Endeavor podcast and a huge thank you and a shout out to Mark Maggiore for joining me. Make sure you follow Mark on Instagram. He can be found at Mark Maggiore, all one word, and that last name is spelt M-A-G-G-I-O-R-I, and on his website, markmaggiore.com. I really appreciate when an artist like Mark comes on the podcast and shares their story with us. It's just so inspiring. And again, I'm a huge believer that success leaves clues. And I know that there will be something here that someone's going to take away and apply to their creative business and it will pay dividends. But also, it's just so awesome to have that inspiration out there on the horizon as a point to shoot for. Now, if you get something out of the podcast or you really enjoyed this episode, then please take one minute to just leave me a rating or a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on and make sure you share this to your social media and use a hashtag, The Creative Endeavor. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thanks for being here. It's awesome having you on board. I look forward to being with you again very, very soon in another episode of The Creative Endeavor.